This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. In this edition, we'll be discussing all things Tottenham Hotspur. And of course, it has been another very eventful week. A home defeat on Saturday against Bournemouth. Uh, the manager search continues. Daniel Levy's talk at Cambridge University. Fans' favourite, Mauricio Pochettino, is now in talks with Chelsea, despite links to Tottenham. And the latest news, Fabio Prati's appeal has just been rejected in court. We will also uh, preview the Newcastle game, which of course takes place at St James's Park this Sunday. I have three very special guests to talk about all of these things. Uh, we've got uh, TV and radio legend Russ Williams back with us. Yeah. Russ, how are you? Um, I'm great-ish. Um, and it's a pleasure to be here uh, in the company of all three of you and everyone who's watching and listening to the podcast and uh, 
somehow we've got to find some positivity. So uh, I think we can do it. Somehow. somehow. How, yeah. how long you got, Russ? Well, it's about an hour, isn't it? You said I don't know. <laughs> we can do it, of course. You know, there's too much doom and gloom in the world. Let's I'm counting on you. In the hour or so. We've also got TV presenter and podcaster Joe Forrester back with us. Joe, it's been a while. Lovely to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, and and I know Russ is a bit down, but all, all I will say, guys, is misery provides content. So <laughs> on the bright side. <laughs> You're right. That's why it's out every single day, Joe. <laughs> yes. Uh, we've also got Spurs YouTuber Patrick Tyrant uh, with us for the very first time. Patrick, a pleasure to have you here. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. A uh, pleasure to be on with such fabulous guests and and co pundits and Spurs fans. And um, although the mood isn't that great around the camp at the moment, I'm going to try and be positive. Obviously, every game is a fresh start, a fresh chance, uh, a slate to right our wrongs and all of that, yada, yada, yada. And yeah, man, let's let's get into it. But happy to be here. And thank you for having me on, Chris. Well, Patrick, let's start the show with you. Um, let me get your thoughts on the Bournemouth game very quickly. Of course, we lost 3-2 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Stellini has now been in charge for three ga games since Antonio Conte left. A 1-1 draw at Everton, a 2-1 win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Brighton, and then, of course, that 3-2 defeat on Saturday. Your thoughts on the game? Uh, a shambles, really poor, badly managed, badly organised. The same team, the same lineup that keeps letting us down. No invention, no creativity. At first, to be honest, I'll be, I'll be totally frank with you. I was quite, I was happy when Conte left because I thought it was the right time. Obviously, upset that it didn't work out. Really expected more, but there were so many things going on with Conte and our club. It kind of made sense, and I thought at the time that having Stellini stay was a good idea because. In the few games when he did manage, when Conte wasn't away, he actually looked quite bright and lively, like against Man City. But then as things have transpired and 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 continued, you've seen that he doesn't really have a clue. He's Conte 2.0. He's actually worse than Conte. And there just seems to be nothing there. The guy just stands there, doesn't seem to have an idea. Uh, he brought on Dan Juma, that changed the game. But it was too little too late. And it just seems that I mean, the last three games against relegation fodder, we've drawn two and lost one, all from winning positions. And, um, yeah, it just hasn't been good. Uh, I was at the game. I'm a season ticket holder, so I go to every home game at least. And the mood in that, that, that atmosphere in, in the stadium wasn't great. And, um, I don't know, we just don't seem to have any inventive or creativity. We're playing teams that are worse than us but they always seem to look better. We always seem to make them look good. And every time we play a team like Bournemouth or Southampton, we actually make them look good. And then I watch them in the next game and they're crap and they're back to the way they are. And it just goes to show that defensively we're so poor, we make subpar teams look good. Bringing Davison Sanchez on, we all knew it was a mistake as soon as, he was, as soon as he was warming up. Bless him, I've got nothing against the guy, but he's not good enough to be playing for the Spurs. And you saw that straight away. As soon as he gets on the ball, he just... He makes everyone nervous and then that nervousness creeps into the team and no one trusts him on the ball. And obviously you saw, um, well, Poro was at fault as well, but obviously Sanchez doing what he did for the first goal, got spun inside out for the second goal. Obviously a sub getting subbed is never good and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't bode well. Fans booed him. I'm in two minds about that. I'm indifferent. I understand fans want to voice their opinion and they're not happy. And I think he kind of got the wrath of everything that's going on. 
It's never yeah. nice to boo your own. It's never really going to go down well. But I also get it. I didn't boo him, don't get me wrong. But I do understand fans are just so frustrated and we're just wanting to vent and obviously voice our opinions. But uh, when he did come off, we did look better. But it's almost too little too late. Playing a back five when we don't have three good defenders doesn't make sense, in my opinion. Go to a back four, add someone in the middle, uh, then at least you've got a bit of creativity and a bit of spark. We're playing two midfielders are exactly identical almost in, in, in Hoiberg and Skip. So there's no creativity. If the wing-backs don't get the crosses in, there's nothing there. Kane's having to drop deeper and deeper to get on the ball. Sonny obviously isn't get, isn't making those runs in behind because it's so obvious and you can just man-mark him out the game. Perisic is right up Son's ass. You know what? Let me stop here because I could go on forever. I want obviously <laughs> the other guys to have their voice. But in a nutshell, not good, Chris. And um, I just want to see something different. That's all I can say. Patrick, just give me a quick yes or no. Were you one of the fans singing Pochettino's name against Brighton and against Bournemouth? Yes and no. <laughs> uh, so I did join in at some points and then at others I didn't. I don't know what I want in the sense of, I don't know if I want Poch back right now. I'd love Poch to come back, but I don't know if it's too early right now. But anything we're, we're, is better than... We'll anyway, come yeah, on to it. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Come Rush, let's get your thoughts very quickly on Tottenham's defeat against uh, Bournemouth on Saturday. Well, uh, there's very little I can say because Patrick said it so brilliantly. Um, yeah. It's the same old, same old. And uh, I didn't go to the game. I, I struggled getting a stream for once. Normally I can get one. Uh, but uh, I think I was watching BT score and uh, it was 2-2. Uh, five minutes of time added on or six minutes, whatever it was. And I and I thought there is going to be a goal, but I never quite believed it was going to be us. I, I hoped it would be us, but I didn't think it would be Bournemouth, actually. And mm. fair play. I mean, Gary O'Neill has got them playing really well mm. and uh, they're pretty much safe, barring a disaster now, which is an extraordinary achievement. Um, but, you know, I've said it for a long while, Chris, on this show and elsewhere, I think we should have been playing four at the back. Midfield with two in it isn't good enough, uh, particularly with with the players that we've got. Hoiberg, you can have one. Uh, Skip or Hoiberg, you can't have both. F for me personally, Oliver Skip, I think, is found wanting a little bit at this level. I would like to see a, a Sar in there in a three-man midfield. You know, even get Dan Juma in or, or put Kulisevsky back a little bit. Play two up front, Son and Kane. I don't like Son on the left. I mean, it, his goal was extraordinary uh, when he did the cut-in. Um, and uh, stop Harry Kane coming so deep uh, because he's a striker. I mean, heaven forbid if he went to PSG or Manchester United, he would be told, do not go into midfield and go on the edge of the D and that's it. You know, you're there, you're there to get goals. Ala Lewandowski, uh, who's now at Barcelona, um, and all the great strikers. And it's because I've, I've said it consistently, and I'm not going to change my mind. The recruitment at Spurs over many, many years has not had the right due diligence. We have bought far more average stroke bad players than we bought good players um, and that's without me going into the managerial appointments over the last 22 years. And uh, I just think that our squad is not 
good enough to be in the top four and to play in the Champions League. And it hurts me a lot because when we have been in the Champions League, I mean, no one will ever forget that night in Amsterdam. Um, Extraordinary night to be a Spurs fan. The final was very disappointing. And Poch on the pitch, you know, showing real emotion. Forget the idiots who say a manager can't cry. I mean, that was a major achievement for him and those players. We had a really good team then. Um, But, you know, I know we're going to come on to Daniel Levy later. Daniel Levy was smiling and clapping. Well, if you love football and you love Spurs and you happen to be the chairman of the club, you're jumping up and down out of control, I think, on a night like that. And, And he wasn't. And I was interested to hear this interview with him at the Cambridge University because it actually, in, in quite a few parts, underlines exactly why we are where we are, uh, which is not football-wise in a good place. I'm sorry to say. But well done to Bournemouth. We were pretty abject. Uh, and we can't defend. We haven't really got any defenders. And, uh, you know, it's a sweeping generalisation but you don't need to be granular to get into the problems with the players and the squad at Tottenham Hotspur. Anyone who knows anything about football, even a little bit, can see when you watch Newcastle, Man City, Man United, Liverpool at their best, Arsenal, heaven forbid, play football. It's a different planet to the pitch we occupy and the football that we play week in, week out. We're a long way off where we want to be and how we get there is going to be a massive conundrum for Levy, the board, uh, Joe Lewis, the playing staff. Uh, but the fans are fed up with it now. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a, a Levy apologist, but I don't think he's the devil incarnate either. But even I'm thinking now, 22 years, Daniel, not really going anywhere. Thanks for the stadium. Maybe let somebody else have a go because it isn't working. We'll come on to Daniel Levy's comments shortly. Um, Joe, let's get your thoughts on Saturday's game. And I also wanted to ask you, um, what did you think of the decision when Antonio Conte left that Stellini stayed in charge? Because as Patrick said, everything seems to be exactly the same. Mm. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because when, when Conte turned up in the Premier League in 2016, and inherited that Chelsea team that I think they were playing 4-3-3 and he switched it up and started playing five at the back with the wing backs and nobody had ever seen it before and everybody tried to reinvent their side to to copy that and that's the team that won 15 games in a row or whatever it was and actually ended up finishing seven points above us um, and we ended up finishing second that season I think and that was great and that was kind of Conte being an innovator he's not moved on since then obviously went to he went to Italy and did the same thing because it worked over there. And let's face it, he had better players in a contextually weaker league as well. And the thing about football is it moves on and it evolves. So Pep Guardiola is a, a great case in point, And I'm kind of not one to say that, that Pep Guardiola is, is the Messiah, because let's face it, he's always had fantastic players. That being said, that Barcelona team that he had would pass you to death. And his City team now are actually quite direct, because he knows that he evolves depending on what the other teams do. And the personnel that he has at his disposal. And I think that's the issue with Conte. Not only did he not evolve, he refused to evolve. And he was so dogmatic. And he was very much the opinion that, look, I'm Antonio Conte. This is how you do things. And if we don't win, that's because you're not good enough. But 
to be honest, I think the way footballers move now is that it's a high-pressing, fast, relatively attacking game, which is brilliant for spectators, if you're not a Tottenham fan, because you get to see all these clubs play great, fun, swashbuckling football. And Conte didn't move on and do that. And the Bournemouth game was an example. Um, yeah, Gary O'Neill has done a great job and they're safe. And I don't think anybody would have thought that when they saw Liverpool put nine past them um, back in August or whatever it was. But it's a very tired style of football that doesn't work anymore. And Christian Stellini is uh, very much a disciple of that style of football as well. I thought maybe if they're leaving him in post, maybe there might be some kind of rift between him and Conte, certainly tactically. I mean, clearly not. And he doesn't even have what Antonio Conte does have, which is that kind of X-factor psychotic yeah. cult leader vibe <laughs> where at least he thought, okay, well, something might happen at half time to get the players going because let's face it, he's a scary guy and he's Antonio Conte. Uh, I do think it's a bit of a hiding to nothing for Christian Stellini. Uh, he's essentially inherited a poison chalice, but he's not tried to do anything differently. And that baffles me. But then again, I suppose that's his philosophy. So it's another bizarre footballing decision that the club have made. And I, I know we're going to talk about people like uh, Fabio Paratici and I, I guess Scott Munn, who's the new guy who's come in. But I just find it so strange that these people come in at high level executive positions and are being paid six figures. And I mean, well north of six figures and they seemingly don't know anything about modern football it's just uh, yeah i find it baffling to be honest would you be surprised joe that if stellini left before the end of the season because there don't seem to be that many fans supporting him at the moment i suppose at that point the question is who do you get in and you kind of think there's, there's almost like an amusing version of this where it's tim sherwood gilet days and it's just a bit of a laugh until the end of the season. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it would be someone like <clears throat> Ryan Mason. I mean, I suppose what Stellini does is is he's there. He doesn't rock the boat. And I guess any prospective managers are looking at Spurs and waiting to see where we finish. So waiting to see what competition they're going to be playing in. Therefore, what kind of budgets they have. I'm already at the stage. and It's a sad thing to say. And it probably has been for the last few weeks where I've written off this season. And I'm already looking at the summer and thinking about next season. And yeah, I think that's just a very, I don't think you want to kind of waste any time as a football fan. So it's very disappointing to have two, three, four months watching your club just exist without progressing. Yeah, I, I, I feel pretty much the same, to be honest, Joe. And <laughs> I go home and away and I love going to watch Spurs, but it just seems like we've all just written this season off again. Um, but it is a now about the club planning. And I think that's what a lot of us are worried about at the moment. Are the club planning in the right way? Where we waited 72 days for a manager and Nuno Espirito Santo walked through the door. So what are we going to get next? Patrick, let's come to you. The manager search continues, of course. The fans singing Pochettino's name. This has been going on for some weeks now. Small groups in the uh, you know during the away games. But the last two games at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Brighton, that was very, very loud when Stellini was sent off walking down the tunnel. Very, very loud singing for Pochettino. And of course, it happened again against Bournemouth on Saturday. Vincent Company's being linked with the club. Nagelsmann's also being linked, but he's had talks with Chelsea. Luis Enrique has also had talks with Chelsea. 
but um, they have now called interest. Um, Deserby's name keeps coming up. Um, if Spurs wanted to go for him, it would be 13 million euros in compensation. Um, Will Steele's name has come up in the last 24 hours, 30-year-old uh, from Rams. And it's been heard today from Fabrizio Romano that Chelsea have now made contact with Maurizio Pochettino. Uh, they've started to, talk in, started to talk to him to understand ideas about the project. And Chelsea have now uh, called their interest with Luis Enrique. He's now up to Chelsea, Nagelsmann or Pochettino. When you saw that news, how does that make you feel? How would it make you feel if Pochettino ended up going to Chelsea? Oh, I'd be sick to my stomach. I'd be, it'd be so disgusting. And we don't have ourselves to blame because Poch is clearly waiting for contact from the club. He can obviously, he knows how much we love him. Fans are always, every time he posts something on social media, underneath in the comments, there's a million Spurs fans telling them how much they love him, how they want him back. Even his right-hand man, Jesus Perez, whenever he posts something, or if you check the comments, it's all Spurs fans. And I, I love Pochettino so much. He was the first manager that made me believe that we was onto something and that we could win things. And of course we didn't, but the progress, the football we played, the way we were viewed under under Pochettino, it was so, you know, it was scintillating football and we started to get respect from everybody. And it was brilliant. You saw the emergence of young talent like Harry Kane, Deli Ali. He wasn't afraid to get rid of people when he first came in, like Adebayo. Basically, he's everything you wanted in the manager. I know at the end it got a bit stale. There was talks before the Champions League final that if he if he won, if we won, he'd be off. Stuff like that didn't sit right with me. But all in all, his tenure was fantastic. Bar that, you know, we didn't win an away game in the last season. Um, but when you just he, you know, Poch has been a free agent for so long. We've needed a manager for a long time. It was evident that Conte wasn't going to renew his, his his contract, and Poch has been there waiting. And the fact that we keep coming out with all these statements that, oh, you know, we're not really Pochettino's not favoured. He's not on the list. It's not this. It's not that. Poch is there waiting, and it gets to a point where it's like, you you can't blame him if he needs to move on as well. But to go to Chelsea of all teams, it would it would just be horrible. And we all know Poch is a loyal guy. You know, when he managed Espanyol, he said he would never manage Barcelona and that sort of thing. But then at yeah. the same time, he's a top, top manager. And if Chelsea are the only club that are realistically approaching him, it's almost like you can't really fault him if he does end up going there. But it would it would be, yeah, it would hurt me a lot. I can't lie to you. And, you know, there were, when he was flirting with the Man United role, when he went out with Fergie for lunch, that as well didn't sit right with me. But it wouldn't hurt me as much because it's Manchester United and, you know, although we're all big six, you know, rivals and stuff like that, I don't really care about Man United. But obviously Chelsea, Arsenal, West Ham, those are the clubs that we hate, dislike, and we, you know, we never want to see them do well. So to see Pochettino on the touchline there, it would, yeah, it would break half of the fan base. And I know a lot of fans are like, oh, move on, this Poch, we don't, you know, it didn't work out, he didn't win anything. But we all know if Pochettino was here and was backed, the sky's the limit. It's just whether Levy would bring him in and back him. And for me, it's just Levy needs to swallow his pride, admit he made a mistake, admit the last two appointments haven't been right. Three if we count Nuno. No one really counts him, but he was appointed. So the last three appointments haven't been right. Swallow your pride, work things out with Poch and back him. So I'm 50-50 with Poch because I do want him back. But also at the same time, I'm thinking maybe we should go in a new direction. And Nagelsmann would be the perfect coach. But it's right right now, it just seems like Chelsea have first refusal and whoever they don't want, we essentially get. And if we're a big club and we, you know, we we aim to be 
dining at the same table as all of these other clubs. Why are we not moving like a big club? I know Chelsea have made a lot of mistakes recently, but the way they act, they're so reactive. And when they want out and go, when, when they want something, they go out and get it. We don't seem yeah. to have that same mentality. And that's why we're always the nearly rams, you know, because we just don't seem to be decisive when it counts. Russ, who is the right person for this next job at Tottenham? Well, um, Daniel Levy and Donna Cullen and all the other luminaries at the club obviously don't think it's Pochettino because he would have been in uh, a la Tuchel at Bayern Munich straight away. Big clubs make big decisions quickly. Um, and, be, you know, be under no illusion, a new manager coming in, a really good manager. Uh, for that game against AC Milan in the Champions League, it could have been an awful lot different, you know. But we can't cry over spilt milk. I don't think the next manager of Spurs will be an elite manager a la Mourinho or Conte uh, for two reasons. Uh, the people who make the decisions will think, well, we've tried that. That doesn't work. Uh, and also, I think th there is a question of egos, uh, I think, as well in this. And I think that we will end up with a manager. I mean, they say we want to bring in a manager, don't they, who Tottenham is their first choice. doesn't work like that in football anymore. Sometimes you have to go and speak to somebody and maybe make them the first choice your football club is after you've spoken to them. But I don't believe anyone's ringing up... Um, Daniel Levy uh, or, you know, Paratici up until the court hearing and saying, I definitely want to be the manager of Spurs. And in itself, it's a footballing crime, really, because we are a big club that actually doesn't really act like a big club a lot of the time and hasn't done consistently over the years. And I, th I think if Poch was going to come back, he would have come straight in after Conte. Uh, some people apparently at the club, you'll probably know more than me, Chris, are in favour of him. Other people with powerful voices apparently are not in favour of him. And I think, you know, as Patrick was saying, uh, we've seen the evidence that now he's having a discussion with Chelsea because from Maurizio Pochettino's point of view, he actually needs to get a job with a big club that can play in the Champions League uh, and try and do something. He's experienced it with Spurs and PSG, Chelsea would be, hate to say it because, you know, I'm not their biggest fan at all, um, would be a good choice of club for him. I mean, Nagelsmann apparently wanted to go to Chelsea straight away, uh, but they said, no, we're going to have Lampard as an interim. So he said, well, you're not serious. So he is actually available, word has it. Now, is he the sort of manager who wants to come to Spurs? Well, he's a future elite manager, but let's be absolutely honest about this. We're not going to be in the Champions League unless there is a miracle. Um, we're certainly not going to be challenging next season for the Premier League title. Uh, he's going to look at the recent history of the club. He's going to look at how the club do business, what support he would get. This is Nagelsmann or a similar character. But more importantly, he's going to look at the squad and go, well, I'm good, but... I'm not that good. You know, he did really well with Bayern Munich in his last job and he couldn't keep his job there. And if you're an elite manager and you come in and work for Enoch and Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, it's a results business, they say. And that's why these elite managers keep going. 
and not hanging around at the club. Not that Conte was ever, ever, ever going to do that. We all know that. So I fear that we'll get into the summer and names like Marco Silva will be talked about. Um, maybe, and I really like him, Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest. But I think that is the level that Spurs fans are going to have to get used to with, with the manager. Now, don't get me wrong. One of those two that I've just mentioned could get the job. It could be absolutely brilliant for us. Fulham have been great, but they've fallen off a little bit now. Mm. You know, Marco Silva, was he good at Everton? No, not really. He was quite good at Hull, his first job in the English game. Watford, well, who can be good at Watford? Because the Pozzo's just higher and fire uh, like it's going out of fashion. So, you know, there's Arnie Slot, isn't there, as well, at Feyenoord. Uh, but word is he's not overly keen to leave Holland. But these people can be persuaded. We've got to get somebody, in my opinion, that actually starts concentrating on academy footballers, young players. In other words, doing what Poch did when he first came in. And uh, Paul Mitchell was at his side, but that, that didn't last very long. And that's a shame because, you know, players-wise, if Mitchell had hung around, we would have been, I think, in a lot better place as far as squad players and young players coming through. Um, that's not to say that there aren't young players available to us. Saar is a perfect example. Um, so I don't think we're, we're going to get a big manager. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry to be negative. And I think big managers are put off by the owners a bit as well. Well, you just said there, Russ, that um, some people could be persuaded Shouldn't it be a manager that really wants this job? Like, yes. like a couple of you already said, you know, if Pochettino was given the job for the last 10 games of the season when Conte left, he would have come running. He loves the club. He wants to come back. There is exactly. unfinished business. Joe, are you a big Pochettino fan? Because Fabrizio Romano in the last 24 hours has come out and said it will take time for Spurs to appoint a manager. Daniel Levy is on it. And as Russ said there, um, you know, there may be certain people at the club not wanting Pochettino back. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's a strange one. I kind of, I wonder, there's a part of me that wonders what's in it for Poch. Because at the moment, he's kind of deified by all of us, and rightly so. He took a relatively mediocre club and made us fantastic, played some brilliant football. Some fantastic young players came through under his tutelage. Obviously, got us to that Champions League final. And I think what a lot of people forget is... Um, that was a relatively threadbare Spurs side. That was probably a side that was past its best in terms of Pochettino's era. But I think maybe he's thinking, what if he comes back and it goes wrong? Um, kind of that you break up with someone and then you kind of think about it with rose-tinted spectacles and you you get back together and you think, oh, I remember why it went wrong in the first place. I don't, I don't know. I wonder if maybe he thinks he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing there. Um, I would love to see him back, to be honest. I don't think the kind of big elite manager experiment has worked. Um, I liked Mourinho. I thought he was quite amusing. I think Conte was basically Mourinho, but without the humour. So yeah. I didn't really yeah. even have that. I think I just really want to see at the moment somebody who plays a fun, exciting brand of football. Ultimately, you want to enjoy going to watch your football team. And we're probably not going to win the league. City are too good and they're too rich. And we want to enjoy it when we go there every weekend. And I kind of think for me, this is, I'm kind of getting ready for the comments to go mad. I look at what's going on in kind of this big merry-go-round at the moment. And I think, do you know what? I think Graham Potter would be a decent fit for us. 
Good, good, sorry, Patrick, mate. Nah, good coach. Nah, nah. Stop, stop, good coach. Stop good coach. Nice football. Do you know what? And kind of suits that ethos. I like to think of us as a relatively likable club. I think, okay, Conte <laughs> with the kind of the big egomaniac, he'd have fitted in better at Chelsea as he did the first time around. Potter would have been a better fit for us. I wonder in terms of what, what's actually happening with this kind of big European managerial game of dominoes as well. So obviously Nagelsmann left Bayern, which really upset everything. And I get the impression that everybody's waiting to see what happens to Ancelotti at Madrid because that will impact everything. Poch is always, Patrick, as you said, because he was at Espanyol, never wanted to go to Barcelona. So he's always, on the other side of it, wanted to go to Madrid. Nagelsmann, okay, he's he could walk in pretty much anywhere. Pochettino, again, I mean, the Chelsea thing, like you're asking, Chris, I don't know if that's too similar to PSG. He kind of went from Spurs, and I get it. He wanted a he wanted a big change. He went from a club where he's never given any money to a club where he had a ridiculous amount of money and an insane amount of talent, and it didn't go well. And those PSG fans got on his back. Well, Chelsea's a similar sort of thing. This is a club that spent hundreds and hundreds of millions on players that, I mean, Graham Potter didn't even know some of them were getting signed. He was turning up at the training ground, and there'd be a new player there who was on three hundred grand a week. And I just don't know how much of a fit that is for somebody who's more of a builder like Pochettino. Um, in a very roundabout way to answer your question, I'd love to see Pochettino back. I don't buy him going to Chelsea. I don't think it's a good fit. I think I do think he's a loyal guy. I wonder if there's a little bit of mind games going on here and it's he's trying to force Daniel Levy's hand. But but who knows? We're, just, uh, we're at that stage where we're, we're second guessing every move. Mm. In your opinion, Joe, do you think that modern day managers should have more of a say in who the clubs actually sign? Because you mentioned there about Graham Potter, you know, all of those players being signed in the summer for, for Chelsea. And of course, Antonio Conte, we heard him a number of times, Jed Spence, Dan Juma, to name a couple, club signings. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. It was the Jed Spence thing, obviously, where he said he didn't know who this guy was and he didn't want him. And I'm sure, like every other Tottenham fan, I've pinned all of my hopes for a brighter future on him and, and Destiny Adogi. And I'm watching their clips on, on Twitter, like they're the yeah. second coming. Um, Jed Spence at Wren, as far as I'm concerned, is the new Cafu. And we need to get him back <laughs> as soon as we can. But yeah, I, I absolutely think they should. I think unless you've kind of got that, I suppose that Arsene Wenger-David Dean relationship, where you work really well together, you like each other, you have a similar outlook on football. I think a manager should absolutely decide or have a big say in, in who he's going to be coaching. And I think that's been part of the disconnect. I mean, obviously, Fabio Paratici was meant to be the answer to that. He saved Juventus, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not sure how much input he's got at the moment. I don't know if he's if he's using his one phone call to ring up Daniel Levy and, and check in uh -huh. with what's going on at Spurs. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would like to see a manager who's who kind of has more control on, on the signings, but also somebody who's a coach and likes to develop players, which is what Pochettino did so well. I can't believe you want another thing I would say, Chris, just Go to on. interject, sorry. This is an amazing opportunity for the right manager, our football yeah. club, to get it right. Brilliant fans, great stadium, out of this world training facilities, maybe new owners coming, who knows, maybe the current owners. But if we could find another potch and he performed like that and went to another level... There is a chance that after a season, people will be saying, well, I'm glad Poch didn't come back. You know, it's it's such a big opportunity. And I bet you Vincent Company is thinking about it seriously because he'll know. 
he will know that at Burnley he's going to get nothing, really. There's going to be no money. And, you know, he knows what Tottenham is. You know, he's a student of English football, he's played in it for many years, now he's managing. He could be the sort of bloke who could come in and, and you know, the players couldn't challenge him on anything. Nobody's won. But, you Rusty, know. I think about company, because I was thinking this the other day, and I just kind of wonder if he's... My my concern there would be, even if he came in and did a brilliant job, and maybe this is negative Tottenham fan thinking, then he would just be waiting to take Pep's place when he eventually decides to yep. go. That Absolutely. I mean, because I agree with you, he's done an amazing job at Burnley, but that 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 keeps coming back to me. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point. But City is City, aren't they? Just because you're an old, famous son doesn't mean that you're, that you're going to go back. I mean, uh, they could say that Arteta will go back yeah. when Pep goes. You know, it might not be company. Um, but I just think, just to make the point again, on a positive note, this is a real opportunity to come in in the summer and we all know we'd have to be patient yet again, unfortunately, uh, but to start really building something and getting us all really loving the football club again and not trying to sell our season tickets uh, for home games on exchanges and somebody obviously <laughs> always buys them. And, th- and this is the problem, you see. Uh, if people say, well, I'm not going, and somebody else uses a ticket, Daniel Levy sees a full stadium and all the upside-down beers being sold and the revenues are coming in. Um, so I think as fans, we've got to be a little bit cannier. Uh, but Rush, it's a big chance for somebody. Just picking up on that, do you think the board will listen to the fans? Because it was very clear in that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium the last couple of weeks, the fans singing Pochettino's name. Now, we have spoken on this channel many, many times about club decisions. Sacking Pochettino, in my opinion, was a bad decision. He had more than enough credit in the bank to keep his job, taking us to the Champions League final, not spending a penny in 518 days. You then appoint Jose Mourinho. He gets to us to to a cup final, we sack him six days before a final. Another poor decision, in my opinion. We then wait 72 days for a manager. Uh, we're linked with all sorts of managers, Gattuso. Uh, we then appoint Nuno Espirito Santo. Didn't work out. Fans started singing, you don't know what you're doing. He gets sacked in the morning. Antonio Conte come in. It's not worked. The fans are having their say, and I believe that the majority of fans, from what I've seen, from what I hear, uh, from who I speak to, the majority of fans want Pochettino back. Will the board listen to what the fans want and will they take notice? Mm, they'll make rumblings, lip service, I think is all we'll get, lip service. You know, and uh, I'm sure at Cambridge last night, Daniel Levy wasn't asked the question, is Maurizio Pochettino coming back directly? Because if it was posed, I'm sure it was taken out. I don't know that for sure, uh, because it's it's not on the agenda. I don't think uh, uh, at the moment as as bad a news that is for an awful lot of Spurs fans. But, you know, I said last time I was on with you. You know, how many people marry their ex-wife or husband? Very few, and that could I be the mentality. It's different though, and I know Joe said that as well. I think it's different because there is so much unfinished business. I think that you know, for what Pochettino went through at Tottenham, you know, and and. The, the the connection, the connection with the fans is was, was incredible. Yeah. And the fact that he achieved top four consistently, took us to a Champions League final, didn't spend a penny in all that time. I just feel that if he was given the backing that perhaps Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte have had, 
you know, you never know. And I just feel that there is, mm. he needs to return at, at some point. Do you, Patrick, let's come to you on this. Do you think that Spurs seeing today that Chelsea are in talks with Poch? Do you think there's going to be any movement? I hope so. I think Russ is right, though. I mean, these guys will, you know, they spin us lie and lie, story after story. You know, Levy will come out and say that he he knows how we feel and he wants what's best for the club and he spends money and all of this rubbish. But, you know, I the thing is, I am indifferent. I'm one of the fans that I would love Poch back, but I'm also scared to bring him back because I know how it ended and I don't want to actually ruin the legacy that he has. And I understand that it's a massive job. It's not as simple as Poch turns up and we, we're going to start playing scintillating football again. Whoever comes in, it's a big rebuild. This team is, is so weird because for me, I feel that as bad as we are, we're only possibly two or three signings away from being a good team again under the yeah. right manager and under the right system. Scrap this five at the back rubbish, bring in another good centre-back to partner Romero, play with three in midfield, get a creative player in, allow the good players to play in their natural positions and play to their strengths. Sorry, we need a good goalkeeper as well. Hugo Lloris, you've been fantastic for us, but you definitely are nowhere near the level we need if we're going to start playing out from the back, passing it around, all of this stuff. The guy's got not good at distributing and, and, and passing under pressure. And then obviously that negativity creeps in and we end up fumbling and doing silly things. So three or four good players in and we can definitely go again. Because when I look at the teams that, like your Manchester United and your Newcastles, you wouldn't say player for player they're way better than us. And even when you watch them throughout 90 minutes, they're not playing scintillating football throughout the majority of the game, but they play in phases and moments, and so do we. But then we're just so crap defensively. When you look at the numbers in terms of the goals we've conceded compared to the rest, it's chalk and cheese. But a good manager will change that. A good manager will get us playing on the front foot. A good manager will actually coach some of these players. Because, you know, Davison Sanchez, is, he was a beast when he came in from Ajax. He was one of the best defenders in Europe. He was so quick, had a good turn of pace, read the game well. And for the last three or four, five years, he's regressed massively because he hasn't been coached. Uh, he's always thrown in, got garbage minutes. Obviously, whenever he is thrown in, he's partnered with different centre-back pairings, back four, back five, all of this. And it's just like there's no structure in this club at the moment. And that's why we just keep going back and back and back. But if we do bring a Pochettino, he's got a massive job on his hands. I do want a good manager. And if it is Poch, just get it done. And then we can go again. It will take Daniel Levy back in him as well. I just don't know if Daniel Levy is, is honest enough and can get rid of the ego and just say, you know what, I've made a mistake. Here you go, Poch. Here's the keys to the kingdom and go again. Because we, we also forget that. I mean, Joe said it. You said it, Chris. Russ has said it. Poch did wonders, free transfer budgets, uh, windows without a sign-in is unheard of. It will never yeah. happen again, no matter what level you play at. And the fact that he had us finishing second, third and third during that time, playing good football, it's kind of like you forget that he was doing it with his hands tied behind his back. And we didn't play at home. We didn't have a home stadium. We were playing at Wembley as well. There was yeah. all of that hoodoo to begin with when we couldn't win the game at Wembley. And it, we still finished third that season. So he's, he's worked miracles and maybe if he is given some stability he could be a fantastic manager but it does need to happen and happen soon because like Russ is saying some of the names we're linked with they're so underwhelming and yeah they could come good because when Pochettino first was linked with us I was like what Poch from Southampton but obviously it worked out well 
But I just don't know. I'm I'm so disillusioned now because we've just seen so many catastrophes under Levy. I just my head's all over the place. I don't really know what to think anymore. I want to ask all of you this question um, or prediction. Russ, let's start with you. Just give me a name of who you think Spurs will employ and who will be our manager at the start of next season. To flip of a coin between two, I think it might be Luis Enrique. That's who I think it will be. I'm going to predict Brendan Rodgers. Mm. Not that oh. I want him there, but that's that's who I think Spurs will go for. Yeah, Joe, what do you think? <laughs> um, there's a part of me that's thinking on a slot, just because there's Spurs are so reactive, and it's kind of like, oh, Ten Hag's Dutch, he's doing well. Let's look at the next guy who's done well in the Eredivisie. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it it feels like a very Spurs appointment, but like Russ says, it's a flip of a coin. Patrick, who are you going for? I think Enrique will be our next manager and I don't want him. I don't think he'll do well here. I would either want Nagelsmann or Poch. Those are my two leading candidates, but I think it will be Enrique, unfortunately. Yeah. Just quickly, why, why don't you think it would work under Luis Enrique if he was appointed? Because he would need a whole new eleven. Fantastic manager with the right tools. We don't have the right tools. He was great uh, at Barcelona, but he had basically the best team in the world. Played good football with Spain, but Ultimately, they didn't do anything. And other than Barcelona and Spain, his club tenureship has been really poor and it kind of gets swept under the carpet. People forget he's not had a real good club managerial career. And I feel that in the Premier League, with all the good teams around him, and the fact he's going to have to adapt to the Premier League, bring in players, I just don't see it working. I'll tell you what, Chris, whoever the next manager is, I think it will mirror how ambitious Daniel Levy really is That's, yeah. I think it'll be significant yeah I feel that we just need to go for a project manager rather than a win now manager and uh, you know it has to happen disappointment must be right but I feel like we've said this in the last couple of years as well and I feel like we've gone around in circles since Pochettino left that's why I probably feel like Pochettino is the answer to come back and just do it properly this time um Russ, let's stay with you. Um, earlier today, um, it was announced that Fabio Prasci's appeal against his two-and-a-half-year ban from football has been rejected by the Italian Olympic Committee. Um, the Athletic have just reported that Spurs are now considering their response. Um, Scott Munn is meant to be starting his job on the 1st of July. Fabio now can't work. Fabrizio Romano has said that Daniel Levy is on it uh, for the manager search. What do you think about this whole situation? Because surely Fabio has got to end up leaving the club. Well, he would have thought so, uh, but he could, uh, you know, he could work in one of the suites uh, and still talk to Daniel Levy about the important stuff, couldn't he? You know, there's there's ways of doing it. The Paratici equivalent of Mourinho in a in a laundry basket at a Champions League game, you know. <laughs> uh, of course, if 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 you get caught. Uh, then Spurs would be in big trouble. I, I don't think they take a risk. So, yeah, I, I think that Scott Munn will be saying to Daniel Levy if he hasn't already. Ari Viderci, Fabio Paratici, you know, um, and that's that. But it's just another thing in a, a litany of of cock-ups and things that have uh, that have gone wrong. You know, the club weren't to know, I don't think, the extent of what was going on over in Italy, maybe 
they should have investigated it. Maybe somebody told them and they said, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, but I don't think he can stay at the club uh, now. And, you know, he's inextricably linked to bringing in Conte and and Stellini and, you know, the Italian vibe at, at the club. I mean, I've spoken to quite a few fans who say, I don't care who the next manager is. It can't be an Italian. I won't, you know, I'll cancel my season ticket. So uh, whether that's fair or not, I don't know. Uh, but I think that he'll be gone. That, that, it's not a guess. I think it's pretty certain. Joe, surely it makes Fabio just like a glorified office worker, doesn't it, if he stayed at Tottenham? I, what I find insane is that Daniel Levy knew that these investigations were pending. He knew that. And he still hired this guy and put him on megabucks. And he was fated as the future of the football club. And... This guy was under investigation and that investigation is now growing and spiraling and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to to work, not in just Italian football, but in European football full stop. And I just, I can't believe you would offer this man a job, such a big salary, so much responsibility. Yeah, I mean, if he's involved in some capacity, I don't know what that might be. I'd be interested to see what people think behind the scenes because he's lost all credibility in the eyes of fans. Certainly the fans I speak to, me, my friends, my family. I wonder if Russ talks about the Italian connection. I wonder if, and this might just be incredibly lazy journalism on my part, there's an Australian connection because Scott Mann, Australian, Postacoglu. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, that could, I, I, but then that's kind of assuming like they know each other because they're Australian. There's 20 million. Well, they probably do. Yeah. <laughs> good shout. But I don't know. He's a bit. I mean, they play good football. That Celtic team. A lot of people really enjoyed him and thinking he's moving on to uh, maybe a. I don't want to upset Scottish football fans, but a more high-profile league. So I'm not sure. Maybe maybe he would be an interesting shout. Who do you think will be in charge and have the overall say of the next managerial appointment? No joke. Will it be Daniel Levy? I think it's Daniel Levy. I think at the end of the day, I get the impression that Spurs is like succession. Like there can be all these people in really prominent roles, but ultimately there's a dictator at the top and that's fine. And that works sometimes in business, but that's the only way I can kind of rationalise this idea that all these people with huge reputations keep coming in and it keeps going disastrously wrong because the decision-making process maybe isn't changing and it's still the same guy. And I think he, he did an amazing thing for Tottenham and he, he dragged us out of relative obscurity and certainly a club that weren't particularly financially viable and took us to, to a place, I think in kind of 2001, we never thought we would end up being, but that being said, he can't decide what we are now. Financially, we can't compete with city United teams like that. So he doesn't want to spend a lot of money, which is what someone like Luis Enrique would probably need. Like Patrick said, I think having Ollie Skip and, and Holberg is very different to having Chabby and Iniesta. So we would certainly need to spend a lot of money to, to satisfy him. Equally, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got your Brightons and your Brentfords who are brilliantly run, fantastic scouting networks, very data-driven. We're not that either. And I think that come, Levy doesn't have a coherent policy. And ever since Poch, he's kind of, which I think he may have got lucky with, that Pochettino appointment, to be honest, and it drove us onwards. And I think he's been lurching from one guest to the next. Patrick, let's come to you. Let's talk about Daniel Levy's comments. Of course, a video was published late Wednesday evening uh, by Cambridge University. Uh, he was there, I think, expecting to do or answer questions about 
business, finance and economics. And then it ended up being a lot of Tottenham Hotspur questions. Whether that was planned or not, I'm not so sure. Um, he was talking about Harry Kane and said he can absolutely win a trophy at Spurs, but being a legend is also important. The fact that he's our top goal scorer, uh, he's making history. I hope one day that there is a statue of Harry Kane outside the stadium. Um, just talking about Harry Kane, do you think that Harry Kane will be a Spurs player next season? And what, what did you make of Daniel Levy's comments overall? I do think Kane will be a Spurs player next season. And I just feel that for Kane, it would probably make sense to wind down his contract. Him to force another move or try and force another move this summer, I don't think it'll go down well. He's still got a year left on his contract. And unless a club comes in with a mega bid, um, I don't see him leaving. I can't see Levy with everything that's going on. I mean, as much as I dislike the guy, he is no fool. He can definitely hear the mumblings and, you know, what we're singing, the discontent at home games. Even away games, we've been up winning against our teams and you can hear fans screaming, you know, Levy out. So he knows what's going on. He knows how we feel. So for him to then turn around and sell our best player, it would be catastrophic for him. There'd be no way back. So I can't see him selling unless Kane really throws up a massive stinker and was basically, you know, goes on strike. Uh, I don't think Kane would do that. He's a bit too professional for that. So, you know, next year when his contract winds down, it's a different story. Obviously, the talk is of him going to Man United. I can't really see that. I don't know if that's a good move for Kane as well. If you're leaving to win trophies, I know people saying Kane might be the catalyst to take them from where they are to guarantee trophies, but it's no guarantee either. So it's a bit of a weird one. The Man City one made sense for, obviously, for obvious reasons. Man United, I'm not so sure. But I'm, going back to the your points about Harry Kane, and the, and the, Harry Kane's already a legend, regardless of what happens next. I just feel that with what Daniel Levy said, I mean, if anyone watched it, because as soon as it came out, I didn't want to read the transcript. I watched the whole interview so I could actually get a feel for what was being said. Didn't take things out of context, because obviously on Twitter and online, people will sensationalise things and you may get outraged without knowing the whole story or how it was said. So I watched it and he was very short and sharp with his answers. He didn't really go into any detail in anything he said. He didn't expand on anything. So you could take what he was saying either way. Uh, it was a lot that was left open, even when he did answer a question. Because even him saying Harry Kane can win trophies, someone should have said, how? What is your plan? What is your next vision? What's the next steps? Because we've been close to winning trophies for a number of years. with a better Spurs team, with better managers. And obviously right now we've got, you know, the Spurs team isn't great, let's be honest. We don't have a manager. We don't have a director of football. There's so much stuff up in the air. So how do you envision Kane winning trophies at the moment? So I would have loved for someone to actually ask him direct questions. He's very calculated. I mean, the guy never comes out and answers questions. And then all of a sudden he pops up at Cambridge answering Spurs questions. It was a bit weird. So I don't know, you know, if he was doing that on purpose because he didn't think it would be football orientated and it somehow swung round to that. But, um, you know, with all of that being said, I watched the whole thing and I didn't learn anything more than what I already knew about Levy. Didn't really answer anything with everything that he did say. He's a very smart guy, very sharp, but it just it just left me, you know, feeling exactly the same. I didn't watch that and think, oh, I understand where he's coming from. Or, oh, you know, I feel a bit better now watching that. There was nothing there. Mm. Right, so let's come to you. Daniel Levy said, am I happy that we haven't won more than one trophy in the last 15 years? Absolutely not. But I also think we've had some fantastic times. The ultimate goal is to win trophies. That is clearly what we are trying to do. It's easier said than done. 
What did you make of Daniel Levy's comments overall? Um, well, I can tell you one thing. I mean, it was interesting what Patrick was saying about Harry Kane. Daniel, if I if I had a business, I needed somebody to run it. I'd hired Daniel Levy because I know it would make money. But if I had a football club, I, with respect to Daniel, I would say I don't think it's quite for you this football lark. That's how I feel about him. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant businessman. And on that note, I think, Patrick, and I'm sorry to say this to you, I think you're wrong on uh, selling Harry Kane. I don't think he'd hesitate for a big enough fee. Daniel Levy is a businessman. He could not tolerate Harry Kane walking away in a year's time for nothing. He, he, he needs money. The debt of the club is significant. We've got to invest in a lot of players. I, I think that, assuming Harry wanted to go, of course, uh, I think he would sell him in, in the do summer. Do you think so? What, this summer, you think he'd sell him to Man United and risk the wrath? Yeah, it, would, it, would not, it would not surprise me, Patrick. Oh, wow. It, yeah, uh, I agree. It, 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 it really wouldn't. And most of the Spurs fans, I'm pretty sure, would say, good luck, Harry. Thank you for everything. I personally would love him to see out the rest of his career at Spurs. And win not one trophy, but maybe two or even three, uh, because he's got some good years left in him. Um, but I, I don't think Daniel Levy would hesitate at all because it's business. The only thing that is good for Harry Kane, though, and us with Harry Kane, is that he is an asset, a big asset at a football club when you're trying to attract a manager and a really good coach. So, but I, I, th I honestly believe that Levy would tell him. Do you think he'd be a Spurs player at the start of next season, Russ? I hope so. But uh, it's a flip of a coin, like everything with Tottenham. And incidentally, I don't think it is just Daniel Levy who makes a decision. I think he has the final say so. I think Donna Cullen, who is known since those heady days at Cambridge University, has a lot of sway uh, talking to him in his ear about all sorts of things to do with the football club, including the football side of the club. So, um, but ultimately it, it's his decision. Uh, but I, I thought, look, you know, fair play. He went to Tottenham when he was seven years old and all that kind of stuff. And he, he loves the club, but really it was investment banking he wanted to be in. That's what he went into. And it was a little bit of luck that saw him get into football. He really had no intention of getting into football. There's nothing wrong with that. There's quite a few chairman of football clubs who, you know, Francis Lee, all those years ago in Manchester City, after he stopped playing, he was one of the biggest toilet roll makers in the whole of the UK. Uh, but then he decided he'd come, you know, run Manchester City because football was in his blood. I don't think that is the case with Daniel Levy. I, I do think, and I thought it was interesting, he said, I can confirm we have not been in negotiations in the last few months, which I yeah. thought was a really interesting thing for him to say uh, about prospective new owners. Now, you could, I, I interpreted that one of two ways. Number one is we're about to start talking to people. Or number two is we have had discussions in the past, but probably because of the valuation, nothing ever happened. Um, so he didn't say that we're not going to sell it. Um, you know, it, it was largely about business. And he sounded a little bit uncomfortable with some of the questions about Tottenham Hotspur. But credit to Daniel Levy. He said that whilst he's been chairman, they have made some poor decisions on buying players. Uh, you can say that again, Daniel. 
the football club have definitely done that. You know, Davinson Sanchez is an example, 42 million. I'm not calling him out. I don't agree with the booing that happened at the weekend. Um, but, you know, can neither of these elite managers, Mourinho or Conte, get a tune out of Tangi and Dombele, who's phenomenally talented mm. and, you know, just loaned out? It costs us 65 million quid. Uh, I think he could still do something and Dombele for the club with the right coach. Yeah, um, same, uh, same, same. You know, um, they have made some dreadful decisions with managers and certainly with the playing squad. And we all know that. And, you it, know, it upsets me because it could have been so much better. If mm. Potter had been given money, we wouldn't have got some duds that he brought in, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, we certainly played entertaining football under Pochettino and you would have thought that Jose yeah. Mourinho and Antonio Conte would have brought success to the football club, but but they didn't. Um, Joe, let's come to you. Um, Daniel Levy also said, I think anyone that buys a football club they may not understand or have the connection with the fans, but they do want the same thing as the fans, which is to win. Oof, what do you make of that comments? I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, I would ask Blackburn fans and Blackpool fans and Macclesfield and things like that. But and I mean Mike Ashley at Newcastle. But I, I, I do think I do think Levy has Spurs' best interests at heart. I do, but I think he's approaching it from a financial point of view, not an emotional one, which is obviously totally different to, to all of us. I also thought he said, what was it? He said that um, uh, under my time at Spurs, 22 years at Spurs, it's been amazing progress, but not as a fan. Um, and we still want to get a trophy. We hope the journey's not over. Now I'm with Russ kind of reading into that saying, we hope the journey's not over. It's like, well, that's down to you, right? So maybe he's talking to other people. Maybe he knows that, that his time might be at an end. Um, I mean, yeah, it's been uh, I credit to him for, for speaking because he was in an academic forum. And I mean, you've got to love football fans and managing to turn a, a, a world class kind of academic uh, yeah. famous institute presidents go there and and get yeah. and are allowed to speak. And it was turned into a, a big football chat. So I love that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do think he's got the, the club's best interests at heart but I don't think he's the right man to be running a football club. I think like Russ says, he's a great businessman, but mm. right now I think it needs something else. And whether that's someone with deeper pockets who wants to spend the money, I'm not sure I want that. I would rather see someone come in who I know is a fan and absolutely loves it. I think for me, that would make me feel a little bit better. Mm. And I think Chris, the communication generally from the club as far as the chairman and the board is concerned to the fans is not really very good other clubs do it far better mm. i mean daniel levy is a bit like the wizard of oz isn't he oh that's where the wizard levy lives in there and he comes out you know once every fortnight there's the wizard but he's not speaking to us and he said he was quite proud of the fact at cambridge university he said i very rarely give interviews well hang on a minute mate you're the chairman of one of the biggest football clubs in England, if not Europe, uh, a very valuable company. And maybe you should change the habit of a lifetime and actually start communicating more to the supporters trust and doing interviews, albeit sanitized ones, you know, with the uh, press people at Spurs, putting them up on YouTube, you know, show that you're human. And I think the fans almost forgive you a little more. Uh, because his 
perception amongst the fans generally, certainly 50% of them, if not 60, I would say, is they don't want him at the club anymore. There are lots of fans who do want him at the club because they recognise where we've come in 22 years. Um, but at the end of the day, for me personally, I want to see good football and um, I want us to win something. And I, I, I want the place to be rocking. I mean, the last two times I've been at the ground, the singing's okay, but it's not like it was when it first opened. It's certainly, you know... There's something missing and it's trepidation maybe from the fans, fear, acknowledgement that what we're watching really is as good as it gets at the moment, all sorts of emotions. Um, and I do think the club communicating with supporters can make things a little better. Uh, but it's up to them at the moment they choose not to do it. But Russ, you... you're right. Sorry, Chris, because like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you, Russ, on this. It's the, the chairman of a football club, they work for us, right? Because ultimately, fans are the ones who put money in the club's pocket and are the reason they're able to function. And these these chair people are the custodians of an institution which belongs to a community and a fan base locally and globally. So to, you're right to choose not to do interviews. You don't really have that right because if the supporters' trust wants a dialogue with you, it's your duty to open that dialogue up. I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, look, simple PR tricks to get him to be seen as more human. Get him to do uh, an online chat with Beyonce. You're going to be playing at our football club stadium. I would watch that. It seems incredible. Put him in a Harry Kane shirt and chuck him in an F1 car. You know, take some photos. Do You know, humanise yourself. I'm sorry. I mean, I haven't been drinking yet. I'm going to have a glass after the show. Well, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Well, let, let, let me ask you that then, Russ. If, if, uh, and I'll ask all three of you the same question. If you had the chance to ask Daniel Levy a question, if you were in that room, what would you, what would you have asked him? I would ask him, do you think you have a future as chairman of this football club, given the fact that we have won one trophy in your tenureship? What about you, Joe? I think I would ask him, "What is what's your philosophy, and therefore your plan for this club?" Patrick, um, who he wants to be the next manager, and when that manager comes in, will he allow him to actually relay his philosophies and tactics and vision to the team and back him properly? As in, don't get involved in football matters. Allow the actual manager to have his say on the players he brings in. And will you trust him and back him and allowing the time to then be successful? I think Daniel Levy probably feels that he's backed every manager that's been there. I mean, the mistake he made, wasn't it, was, you're right, firing pot Because that 350 million quid that Conte and Mourinho and... Nuno and everybody else kind of in between had with the, the changing philosophies and stuff. That 350 million quid, I genuinely believe, if that was given to Poch after that Champions League final, incrementally over several uh, transfer windows, yeah. it, this might be wishful thinking, we'd be the North London club sitting top of the table right now, not them. Um, I don't know if that's overstating it, but I think that lack of coherence and then it's just been panic stations since then. So yeah, he probably has backed them, but because it's not coherent, it's just throwing money away. But 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 we all know as Spurs fans that we've always been 
two players, three players short of something very, very special. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of us and has done in recent years. Um, let's move on to talk about um, the Newcastle game, which, of course, is a massive game at St James's Park this Sunday, 2pm kickoff. Spurs are currently fifth in the Premier League table. We have played 31 games. We have 53 points. We are three points away from the top four. Newcastle, of course, are fourth. Uh, the next three games for us, we play Newcastle, Manchester United and Liverpool. A very, very difficult couple of weeks coming up. Newcastle have only lost four games all season and they have only lost one home game and that was against Liverpool back in Feb. Um, Patrick, let's start with you on the Newcastle game. Um, how are you feeling ahead of this game? Can Spurs get a point or three? If I'm being 100% honest, I'm not feeling very confident at all. The funny thing is, football is such a humbler. Like A couple of weeks ago, I was like, yeah, we're going to finish third. Newcastle don't score enough goals. Man United are a bit shaky and they're in three competitions. So their eyes are going to be taken off the ball. And we can just continue to play once a week. Yes, defensively, we're not good, but we do score a lot of goals. And I think we're bad third. But then since then, I mean, we had such... I know no fixture is easy, but if you look at our fixture running on paper, we had Everton, Southampton and then Bournemouth, which are three favourable fixtures. You'd expect us to bag nine points out of those three games. Yes, it might not always be a smooth sail or easy ride, but you'd expect us to win all three of those games. We end up picking up two points out of nine. And obviously now we are three points behind Newcastle, six behind United, and we played a game more than both of them. Newcastle have the meanest defence in the league. They've only shipped in or conceded 24 goals, which is insane at this stage of the season. So defensively, they're solid. Nick Pope loves a clean sheet. He's kept millions of clean sheets. They're a good outfit. They're a good team. Player for player, like I keep saying, you may look at it. Well, actually, to be fair, they've got a few players I would rather swap with our start on 11. But their squad probably isn't as good as... Our squad isn't, is probably stronger than theirs, but they play a brand of team football. They play for each other. We don't seem to have an identity when we play. We just literally pass the ball to Kane or Son and say, go to work. Or we give it to Kulu on the wing, work some magic, Perisic, dig out a cross, and hopefully we get lucky. But they actually play a brand of football. And obviously, over the course of 30 games, 38 games, 31 games, 32, wherever we are, you'll see that slowly, you know, seep in. So... I'm not confident. Um, you know, they've only lost four games all season, as Joe was saying, or I think it was Vass, I can't remember, but one of the two lads was saying they've only they've only lost once at home and that was to Liverpool. So I'm not confident at all. I would have thought I would have went into this game with more confidence because we would have been off the back of probably three three wins. We're off the back of two draws and a loss to crap teams. So the funny thing is football's crazy and, you know, there's always a puncher's chance. We could go there and get a result because Tottenham are Tottenham and we always somehow seem to pull something out of the bag when we're down and out. And when we're not expected to win, we somehow win. But when we're meant to win, we don't. It's so weird. But if I'm being honest, I'm not confident and I don't expect us to pick anything up out of this game, unfortunately. Patrick, do you expect the same starting eleven under Stellini? Because if Clement Longley is out injured... Um, does Davinson Sanchez come in? And, of course, Dan Juma scored at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Bournemouth last weekend. Does he get his first start in the Premier League for Tottenham? I think we, if uh, Longley was fit, we would have played exactly the same team because this guy would never change things up. 
But because uh, Lomley is injured, he will go. I feel he'll go to a back four. It will be Davies and uh, sorry, Davies. So apologies. It will be Ben. Uh, it will be Dyer, Romero, Poro, and Perisic as a back four. And I don't know who will be in the three. I think he may put Sarin with Hoiberg and Skip and then play the same front three that we always play. I don't think Dan Juma will start, but I do feel he'll play a role off the off the bench. So I feel that it's only because of the injury his hand's been forced. Otherwise, it'd be the same old same. Russ, how are you feeling? I know you're making the trip up to St. Yeah. James's Park. You I feeling am. confident? Not particularly. Um, if we get the first goal, we've got a chance. If they get the first goal, um, with a player like Gimaresh in midfield, who is such a great little player, can dictate a game. But coming off the back of a defeat, if they score first, I do fear for us there, really. It, I mean, it is the sort of game that Tottenham should be turning up at and thinking, yeah, why can't we win here? We're going to win here because we want to finish in the top four. Trouble is, so do they. And um, they have momentum. I know they'd lost their last game, but over the last few games, um, they've played pretty well. And it's going to be a very, very tough game. I'm looking forward to seeing the stadium. I haven't been there for quite some years since it was redeveloped. Uh, it looks pretty awesome. And um, hopefully, you know, Harry Kane can have his shooting boots on or Sonny and Harry and um, we can win. But I'm not going to be jumping on the train at Stevenage Sunday morning, they're particularly hopeful. But once you get in the ground and you smell the grease paint and the liniment, who knows? I might be more optimistic. I spoke to a few Newcastle fans a couple of days, Russ, and, they, and yeah. they've said all season that place has been absolutely buzzing. The Newcastle yeah. fans are absolutely loving it right now. And as I said earlier, they've only lost one game um, at home, and that was against Liverpool. Um, what are you expecting there, atmosphere-wise? Oh, uh, it's such an important game for them because they lost their last one. And if you look at the table, they know, uh, because they'll know that we've got United and Liverpool coming up, they know if they can win this game against us, it, they're pretty nailed on for the top four in Champions League football, which would be an extraordinary achievement for them. Um, and that's why it's such a big, big game for us. Um so I expect it to be a pressure cooker. None other than that. And uh, no place for the faint-hearted. Chris will be fine with the rest of the Spurs fans. Uh, but it's going to be a difficult afternoon. But, you know, who knows? We'll come to score predictions in a second. Joe, how are you feeling ahead of this game against Newcastle? <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got no hope whatsoever. <laughs> Just being totally honest. I mean, they beat us at home. And that felt like quite a transitional shift to power. I'm I'm yeah. not really leaving looking at the top four and looking above us. I'm thinking Brighton, Villa, Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, at the, the moment, the way things are, I'd have us finishing eighth. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a massive game. Like I said, they beat, they beat us at home. I really don't hold out any hope. I think they're much more coherent. They've got a much more clear tactical plan and a manager who wants to be there and knows what he's doing. That being said, if Sun wants to bend another one in from the edge of the area or... Or like Russ says, if Kane has a good day, we've always got a chance because we've got a couple of really fantastic players. I think anything past that, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't really give us a chance. What have you made of Kieran Trippier? He seems to be a real leader for Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, 
he's a funny one, isn't he, Trips? Because when Walker left, I was kind of I slated Trips quite a lot because he didn't have any of the the pace or that kind of directness that made Walker such a brilliant player. And it's only kind of after Trippier left Spurs and we well obviously went on to win the league at Atletico and then we since have been absolutely unable to find any kind of right back, right wing back, whatever you want to call it, to save our lives. Um, yeah, he's a fantastic player. And the fact that he still regularly features for England and gets in England squads and stuff is testament to to what a great player he is. And I think he's kind of one of those signings that, a bit like when City got, I mean, players like Rubinho and Adebayor and stuff, once somebody with a decent bit of profile comes to a club, it it gets other players to kind of join the project. And yeah, I think he's been a fantastic signing and he's he's still a great player. And I would love him back at Spurs in a heartbeat, given our right-back situation. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, last two questions. Patrick, score prediction for Sunday and where you think Spurs will end up at the end of the season in the Premier League table? Unfortunately, I'm going to go 2-0 Newcastle. And I'm hoping it's like a jinx and it's the other way. But if I'm being honest, Newcastle are a much better team away from home. The pressure's on us, not them. And I feel they just just pass us off the park and just, yeah, put us to the sword. I think we, ideally, if we don't finish in the top four, I want us to finish eighth. I don't want us in any sort of European football if it's not the Champions League. And then it gives us time to really reset and go again. But I, I think we're finished fifth, if I'm being honest. I can't see us finishing sixth, seventh and eighth, which would be the the lower we the lower down we feel or the lower down the table we are, it, it really drums the message home to Daniel Levy that this isn't good enough. It's not been good enough for years. And I feel that if we did somehow sneak Champions League football, it would paper over so many cracks. And then in the summer, Levy will come out and say, yes, we know that everything's not been great, but it's another successful season. Because Champions League football for him is the holy grail. And he would then turn it round and say that all of us fans have been prima donnas and babies and the team is still doing well. So it's a sense, it's almost like I don't want us to get Champions League football just to drum the message home. But then if we don't get Champions League football, we need to finish eighth or ninth to really send a direct and clear message to the to the board. But I don't I feel I won't get that and we'll finish fifth annoyingly and we'll be stuck in Europa playing that horrible Sunday-Thursday cycle, which is disgusting, and none of us like that. Do you know, you're you saying about those competitions, Patrick, if, if it was Europa League or Europa Conference League, you know, even when we were in the Europa Conference League last year, I was like, OK, right, go and win the competition. Like West Ham are taking it really seriously. You know, yeah. go, you're in this competition, go and win it. Would you not have that attitude of, of, of one of those competitions? Or, or is it a bit snobby with Spurs fans? Of like, no, oh, no, I, don't I that. would. I would, but the managers never seem to mirror our desire. And that's the annoying thing. And even Poch, mm -hmm. dare I say, people don't call him out on this. Sometimes it felt like Poch would play lesser or weakened teams in the Cups. And then yeah. we would go out. And obviously he wanted Champions League in the league, and I get it. But some, we had real good opportunities to win Cups under Poch. And he sometimes turned his nose up at them. So I... If we were in these competitions and we really went full tilt to win them, then I'd love to be in it. But it always seems that the managers don't really take them seriously. So it's almost like a waste of time. So I don't know. It just it depends who the manager is. It's a great question, Chris. It really depends who the manager is. If he's going to bring you through, really take it seriously and then we push on. But if he's going to act like the managers have recently, then I'd rather not be in there. They've all done it. There is um, obviously something there in that, I think. They've, they've all done it. You know, Sheffield United recently, 
you know, coming out of the FA Cup. And I think that's where a lot of people have been, you know, the, the frustration has really grown since then. Um, Russ, let's come to you. Score prediction and uh, where you think Spurs will end up in the Premier League table. Sadly, 3-1 Newcastle, um, sixth Europa League. You, to- you told me you were going to be positive on this show tonight. Well, I'll be positive if we, if we play four at the back. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> I don't know whether you've come out of anything positive this evening. <laughs> yeah, I have suggested a couple of managers. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not bad. It's not good. Um, I, 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 and I, I think, you know, we'll finish sixth just to underline it because then we've got Man United and Liverpool and we know what can happen in those games. Um, and I think that's roughly where we are anyway. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one and 5th. Joe, what are you going for? Um, love that optimism, Chris. <laughs> um, and also, Russ, Russ, just get ready for that 5 at the back and Tanganga coming in on yeah, Sunday exactly. to compound your misery. <laughs> um, I, I think 3-1 Newcastle. I think it'll be a comfortable win, maybe a Harry Kane goal. Uh, and I think we'll probably end up finishing 7th and having to play in the Conference League. Um, I would, I would like to see us. To be honest, I'd like to see us if it's not top four. I'd like to see us finish eighth, just so we only yeah. have domestic yeah. football to focus on. Yeah. Um, but it'd be very Spurs to finish in the Conference League. I've never had all three guests say an opposition win. It is the first. Oh wow! Jeez, <laughs> I'm not. How That's, where we, That's where we are right now. We're still wow. going to be there, Chris, in the trenches in the northeast. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we? I'll be singing while we're drawing 1 1. That's it. Good. I'll buy you a beer. I'll find a Newky Brown after the game. I might need it. Yeah. Um, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back. Um, please tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment. Um, yes, it's just Joe Forrester TV on all the social platforms. And uh, please go and listen to, to Rose Ed, the podcast. That'd be great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And Patrick, it's been uh, fantastic having you on for the very first time. I know you're back with us in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Where can everyone find you and what are you up to at the moment? Yeah, once again, Chris, thanks for having me on. Russ and Joe, it's been a pleasure. It's great linking up with, um, you know, good Spurs fans and just chopping it up. But follow me on Twitter, Patrick Tyrant. It's at the bottom of the screen. And then you'll see everything that I'm on. I'm on quite a few podcasts and shows. So, yeah, follow me on there and you'll be able to catch up with everything I'm doing. Well, thank you very much. And Russ, pleasure having you back. Thank uh, you so much. The, you're back on the radio? Yes, 10 o'clock tomorrow, Nation Radio, fabulous music, online, DAB, app, Uncle Tom Cobley and all. Uh, give us a go. And you could win 10 grand in cash tomorrow. So wow. they'll have people rushing for 10 minutes. Yeah. Tune in, going to win the money. And Mr. Lee, you I'm can't play. Russ, Joe and Patrick, thanks so much for your time this evening. Let's hope that um, Spurs can get the three points at St James's Park against Newcastle on Sunday. Fingers crossed. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, come on, you Spurs. Nice one, guys.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.